Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the works of the ministry. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome. How many are ready for God's Word this morning? A few of y'all. How many are ready to hear God's Word? Come on. If you don't know where you are, you are at Gateway Church. Welcome. And today, I want to share a message that is titled as in the days of Noah. How many know that we've actually been in the end times since Jesus rose from the dead? Did you know that? So people always talk about the end times and there is a little, there's a little danger about talking with the end times sometimes as, as people can get in kind of a, a negative mood because there's just a lot of different interpretation of how the end is actually going to happen and I think it's sort of like, Charles, can we put up this video real quick? I think it's sort of like, we think it's like a weather forecast. I, do I have sound on this one? We have beautiful weather here for this weekend, mostly sunny skies and highs in the upper 80s. Overnight tonight, partly cloudy, mild, with those temperatures dropping down into the mid-70s. And we've got some big changes here for the upcoming work week. Starting tomorrow, we're going to have a volcanic eruption right near Charlottesville. And it's going to make things rather toasty across the area. We're going to see... Lava spill out into central Virginia and make temperatures in Richmond at 350 degrees, Fredericksburg at 345, Charlottesville, a hot spot at 400, not as hot off towards the tide water, a little bit more comfortable with highs near 100 degrees. The reason why we're going to have tidal waves moving in ahead of this, a global superstorm developing off towards the Atlantic Ocean. This thing is headed our way, but the key to the forecast right before this thing makes landfall, it is going to be deflected by Godzilla. Now, a lot can change between now and then. We're looking at the latest data. We'll continue to bring you the very latest. Okay, here's the forecast. Volcano 350 there for Monday. Global superstorm on Tuesday. We could see maybe about one, 200 inches of rainfall. Wind gusts up to 1,000 miles an hour. Godzilla Wednesday. And I'll be honest, I have no idea what's going to happen on that day after that film. How about this to finish off the work week? Low humidity, lots of sunshine with highs in the upper 80s heading Okay, let's give it up for our weatherman here. How many have felt like that's kind of the update of how the end times are going to happen when you start looking at uh, listening to different people talk? And there's a couple things I want to really highlight today about what the end times we should be expecting. But one of the things we guarantee is that the next great event of the church is that the sons and daughters of God are going to rise. That's the next great event of the church is that the Spirit of God is coming upon the church and we begin to recognize who we are. The next great event is not the rapture. It's you and I stepping into our identity, who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's what the earth is groaning for. That's why we're here on the planet. So no matter what happens, what persecution happens, what Godzilla shows up, what storm, know this is that you and I are called in this season to fully recognize what Jesus did on the cross for us, that he didn't just raise for us, he raised with us, and there's something new. There's a new identity. There's something new stirring in us, so it really doesn't matter what's going on the outside because something's happened on the inside. How many are feeling that in this season? You're feeling something is rising up inside of you. And so I want to look at a, 
what Jesus said about the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah. Let's say that together. As in the days of Noah. And this says that, uh, in Matthew 24, and Jesus says, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, knowing how the scriptures operate, so many people misinterpret a lot of events that have happened in Matthew 24 and also in the book of Revelation. And there's many different interpretations. There's many different views. Some of, some of the things that had happened in Matthew 24 were actually talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and had nothing to do with the times that we're in right now. Some of the things that have happened in Revelation, some people are pushing those all back to something that's going to happen in the future, and much of it has already taken place. And there's, there's different points of view. And we've all heard different points of view. And so I'm not going to go into too much today about your end-time theology, but I do want to highlight some of the things that Jesus mentioned about that would happen, had happened in the days of Noah, that would happen in our, in the, as in the end times, as his coming, as he returns. You know, the name Noah means to bring comfort. The Bible says in Genesis 5.29 that, that Lamech, the father of Noah, says he named him Noah, saying, this one will comfort us in our work and in the toil of our hands caused by the ground which Yahweh has cursed. Now, Lamech named his son Noah because he knew this, this young man one day would grow up to bring comfort, to bring relief. And this is actually a, an, an awkward word here uh, because this word is naham, and it's, it means to relent, to repent, to change one, one's mind, to be grieved, to comfort, to console, to express sympathy, to avenge oneself. How many think that that's a wide variety of meanings right there? Is he going to bring comfort? Is he going to bring relief? Is he going to bring, you know, repentance? Is he going to console us? Is he going to be avenged? I mean, but it seems like when Noah came, all this was fulfilled. Have you ever looked at the genealogies and studied the history where Lamech, Noah's father was actually lived in the same time of Adam? And there's so many different uh, pictures. Because they lived a long time back then. Noah lived to be almost 900 years old. They were old. They were very well advanced in age. So this is what Genesis 6 takes place. And what I want to hit, hit upon in Genesis 6 is that there was a shift that had taken place. Most of us, if you've been raised in the church like I have, the fall of man happened in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve sinned. And to us, that was when mankind became deprived at that point. But in Jewish culture... They see what happened in Genesis 6 as the garden and the fall on 2.0. <laughs> they, they look at it as this is something that we as Christians don't see as a devastation, devastating part of mankind as much as we do in Genesis chapter 3. And I'll explain that. Because we see what is the Lord's response in Genesis 6. He said, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. 
He goes on to say, So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. The, the, the Hebrew actually says that God repented of making them. That sounds odd, doesn't it? He was sorry. He felt remorse. And we have to ask ourselves, what was happening in this moment that caused God to be so grieved? What evil was happening? But no matter what we see was happening in Noah's time, the Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So no matter what is happening around us, no matter what devastation is going on, what critical theories, what cra crazy chaos mess is happening, someone's going to find favor in God's eyes in this season. Is that going to be you? Are you going to be the one that says, God, I'm here in this time, in this difficult time, so that you can raise me up to be who God's called to be. How many think there's some chaotic things going on in our land right now? How many think God is looking for someone that has favor in God's eyes? That's, that's the church. That's who we are, my friend. But let me tell you what, what, what was happening in this time is many people, when Noah was born, he was born to bring comfort, but many were unaware. If you have your worksheet today, you can see you can fill that in, that many were unaware. And this is what makes our voices so powerful in this time, that there are things that are happening. There's, there's d disaster and destruction. We have to be the people that are making people aware of what is happening and what is going on. It says in Matthew 24, For as in those days, until the day when Noah entered the ark, they were unaware. Everybody say unaware. That's, that's what Jesus highlights about the end times. So many people are unaware about the judgment that's coming, about the disasters that can take place. And we have to be the ones that are speaking out and declaring truth in this time. But we live in a land where people are comforting themselves. And there was, there was some books that were written back in the 40s that talk about how the end will be. Has anybody ever heard of the book 1984? And that was written in the 40s. I think I have a picture of that book. George Orwell, and it talks about the big brother would control everything that's happening, would, would monitor you and watch over you. You know, the, the CCP, the Chinese Communist government, they put together this, this similar, uh, it was similar to Facebook called WeChat. And what they did is they got all the Chinese people they gave it said, use this for free and be involved and get connected. And so everyone started signing up and they got connected. And once everyone got signed up, then they came down and they discovered who the Christians were, who their friends were. And they used this technology to control them. We're now in China. You don't just have a credit score. You actually have a social credit score. If you have a lot of Christian friends, you can call one of your friends and they'll, they'll warn you. So-and-so has a very poor social credit score. They hang out with other Christians. You understand how this is part of what George Orwell, you know, people who are in the arts, they, they are very creative. They see things that other people may not see. What's that one show that's prophesying and, and seeing all these things? Is it The Simpsons or this? Yeah, ever see this? The Simpson prophecies. It's like a crude cartoon and they're, and they're like prophesying all these things that are happening. Isn't that the weirdest thing? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. But shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, you should watch that. But anyway, 
it's strange. But the creative people, they, they get things. They, they, they understand things in the future, and then they write about them, and they don't know why they're writing the story, but it's a prophecy. But there's another story out there that was written around the same time called The Brave New World. And this was another end-time picture. I think it's just on the same picture as the other slide. And this, but this one was about not how the, the government would come in and control everybody, but what they would do instead is they would give you all these happy drugs, give you all these Netflix series. You could just watch all the time. You could just numb. Anytime you had anything stressful, just take a drug and you're happy. And that's how they controlled the people. And how many know we have a little bit of both happening right now in our society? There's both of these prophecies are like coming together. And there was a, a man who was severely beaten in communist Russia. And he finally escaped and he came to America. And he was at a, a party one time and a bunch of Christians, they said, how did you stay a Christian in the midst of communism? And he said this, he said, there's only one thing worse than communism that will steal your faith. And he said, that is materialism. And he was warning them. He said, you think you should be warned about communism crushing Christianity? I said, it's materialism. And we live in a very materialistic society, my friends. But we can choose Jesus, listen to this, even though we have all these other choices around us, we can still choose Jesus. That's what makes living in a culture that's very materialistic very powerful where you and I can say no to the material things, to the comfort, and we can move forward. But let's talk about that in, in number two, because many people right now, they may be comforted, but they're allowing themselves to be controlled. They're allowing their voice to be taken away because it's easier to stay silent in this season. You have more friends. People seem to like you more when you're, when you're not speaking truth and you're, and you're sharing life with people and there's a lot more rejection that's happening. But that's part of what we must do in this season. We must be ready for rejection. We should not be afraid of rejection. We have to be ready. You know, Jesus didn't say, take up your cruise and follow me. He said, take up your cross and there will be rejection. That's the hardest thing about evangelizing and sharing truth and standing up to, to the tyranny that's happening is people don't people want you to be nice people want you to be silent they're so worried about someone else's feelings that are getting hurt when in fact we have to stand and speak out one of the things that i've been reading in recently is a book that our former president barack obama recommended now why would your pastor read something like that because it's important that we understand how the enemy thinks we have to understand that there is a narrative that our enemies, or I don't even want to call them enemies, I would call them, they would call me, that they're enemies of Christianity. They're reading things, and they have a narrative and a belief system that causes them to do very horrible things, very cold things, very immoral things. And if you don't believe that, I, like, I, listen, I don't listen to a lot of people, but I want to go right to the horse's mouth. Okay, if this is what you're reading and recommending, let me try to understand what is happening. So let's look at one of the things that we, we can see here is that 
There's a belief right now that God does not exist, which the Bible would call you a fool. And if we look, what happens is atheism is promoting that there is no God, and there's a little list here. And if there's no God, then hear me this. If you don't believe in God, then there's no moral code. There's nothing. Can I tell you that if you don't believe in God, even human rights is a myth. They would say human rights, free will, things that we take, like the, the blessing of life, oh, well, that's, that's something you made up in your mind. Because if there's no God, then there's, if there's no ruler, then there's no rules. And if people do not embrace God and stand on the, hit the belief, number one, that he exists, then he has a moral code. But then if there's no moral code, then there's no consequences. And the satanic Bible says, do what thou wants to do. And if there's no consequences, and then there's no conscience, there's no conscience of right and wrong. How many know we live in a society where many leaders right now have no conscience whatsoever? Their consciences have been seared. Why? Because they don't believe there's a God, and because there's no God, then any moral code that me as a Christian would say, well, that's wrong, they would say, well, you have no basis to say that because there is no God. And if there's no God, there's no rules. And if there's no rules, there's no consequences, and therefore they have no conscience. And so don't be surprised when people who are leading our country, leading nations, have no conscience whatsoever, but they want us to have a conscience. Did you know Voltaire was a famous philosopher, French philosopher? He said this, and he was an atheist. Voltaire said about God that there is no God but don't tell that to my servant, lest he murder me at night. See, the, the leaders want, they don't believe in God, but they want us to, to not do anything that would be immoral, quote-unquote, that would, that would stop them. So when we look at that, there's no God, there's no law, there's no consequence, no conscience, and it creates a society of lawlessness, and we know the Bible says because of the increase of lawlessness, the, the, the love of most will grow cold. And we can't let that happen. We have to be like Noah. And we have to find favor in God's eyes. But let me share with you the narrative. This was a, um, and let me tell you to you, because I'm going to base it on Genesis chapter 6. And like I said, most of you don't understand the impact that Genesis 6 has had on the human race. We understand the impact that Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve, they sinned against God, but we don't understand the impact when the Bible says that the sons of God came into the daughters of men. And I used to teach this differently, and how many know I keep writing books because I have to keep correcting my theology, and I will keep doing that. And uh, this is what Genesis 6 says. So when man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took them as their wives, any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. Now when it says the sons of God came into the daughters of men, there is some belief that people say, most interpreters would say, whether Jewish or Christian, consider the sons of God who have sexual relations with the daughters of men in this passage to be mortals, human men, from the line of Seth and others from some uh, other royal lineage where they would say the sons of God came from the, the sons of Seth 
and then they mated with the daughters of Cain. That's one interpretation. That's what I used to teach. But it, this is not what I teach anymore because it talks about the sons of Elohim. Whenever you see the word Elohim in the Bible, in the Hebrew text, it talks about divine beings. So what the Bible is inferring here is that in Genesis chapter 6, maybe play the, the background music. There's one slide, Twilight Zone. Because what I'm about to tell you, this is going to sound really strange. But the sons of God were actually divine beings that came and they mated with human beings where there was something supernatural, something supernaturally that was imparted from the heavenly realm into mere human mortals. How many have ever heard that before? Okay. That sounds a little bit out there, but that's what the Bible's saying. And there was a genetic modification that happened. But you see, this was a counterfeit thing that what Jesus would come to do 2,000 or 4,000 years later, that we have been imparted with his nature. You understand, this was Satan's counterfeit to do that. And it defiled human beings. And if you ever ever read the book of First Enoch, which is quoted in the Bible, it, it goes into this a lot deeper. But it does sound, how many think it sounds kind of like Twilight Zone here a little bit? Like, whoa, that was really happening. But let me tell you, as I was just, you know, taking what happened in the times of Noah and putting it on to today, listen to what Barack Obama's mentor and hero wrote. He talks about, um, there was this, it, the book is called Sapiens. And again, I'm not recommending this book, but I read it because I love you. And I was tortured by it, but I read it. No, it wasn't too bad. But it's called Sapiens, based on the, the Homo sapiens. The, the, we are Homo sapiens. Everybody in mankind is a sapien, Homo sapien. That's what, that's what these uh, smart people will tell us. And what happened is, is he says, he makes, he says this quote. He says, in the appearance of new ways of thinking and communicating between 70,000 and 30,000 years ago constitutes the cognitive revolution. So let me break this down. What this author is saying is about 30,000 years ago on planet Earth, there was a genetic modification that happened in the Homo sapiens. I should play the Twilight Zone music while I'm doing this too, but thank you, Charles. So, but what happened was there was a genetic modification that caused this group of Homo sapiens to actually have cognitive, they understand each other and to communicate and to talk with one another. They believe that there was a gen genetic modification. Something happened in their very DNA that caused them, caused this group of animals, because we are all animals according to this book. It just didn't happen to lizards. Lizards didn't get cognitive recognition. And they said, we don't know how this happened. Just, wow, it just happened. And again, I don't believe the concept that, you know, from goo to you on the way to the zoo, like, that's a miracle. Like, if you believe that, you've got tremendous faith, can I tell you? So this is what they believe. There was the most commonly believed theory argues that accidental genetic mutation changed the inner wiring of the brains of sapiens. This is what Barack Obama's, you know, hero is saying. And it goes on to say that these genetic mutations enabling them to think in an unprecedented ways 
and to communicate using an altogether new type of language, we might call it the tree of knowledge mutation. So this is what this book is saying. Now remember, this is the narrative that many of the leaders right now in our government and all over the world, they think like this. There's no God, and if there's no God, there's no laws. They, you don't have a right to, to human rights. Human rights is just a myth. These sapiens just thought about it and created it. And if there's no God, then we don't have to follow those rules because they're not even rules. There are no rules. How many feel uncomfortable right now? Do you want people leading us with that kind of mindset? It's dangerous. But they want us to do nothing. And they want us to think that, oh, they couldn't be that crazy. Yes, they are that crazy. We have to be crazier, though. How many know Noah stood up in that generation? And it talks about the Nephilim in Genesis chapter 6 were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God, this is the Hebrew Ben Elohim, supernatural divine beings came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Now, this is what Jewish tradition teaches and I've studied ancient Near Eastern scholars, where did the Canaanite people come from? Why did the Israelites come in and kill men, women, and children when they went into the promised land? Many people believe, many scholars believe, is because this was a demonic race. This was a race of people that was partially human and partially divine. I'm not going to play the Twilight Zone music anymore. But this is why they had to be rooted out of the land of Canaan. And, and they're, now this is going to get even stranger. This is what scholars say, is that they did, when, when these creatures died, their spirits are the demons that we cast out today. I, I'm not, I didn't find this on Wikipedia. This is what Jewish thought is, and many scholars teach I'm not going to go much deeper on that today, but it, these, are, these are some, we have not looked at Genesis 6 in a deep way, but these are, these are, you know, these are um, hypotheses or these are conclusions that I, I believe that they have a lot of merit in Scripture. So what do we see happening in Genesis chapter 6? We see genetic mutations happening. We see people that understand if we can modify their DNA, we can create a whole new level of species. Like, this is what we need to be cautious about in this season. So we can see that they have this mindset that we have to understand they don't think like we do. We believe in God. We fear God. We understand there are rules that he calls us to follow. Did you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? No one can tell you what you're going to put into your body. This is your body. This is God's temple, actually. This is what we need to stand for in our communities, in our society. This is our body. This is God. God gave us this as his temple. And no one can force me to do anything, put anything in this body, unless I agree to it. That's our constitution, our religious rights that we call on. But we live in a society now that... We don't see reality anymore as anything, yet 
except if it's tangible or you can grab it or you can see it. But we live, you and I live in a different world. We live in the realm of faith. We see things. When we don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. The dreams that you have and the sensations that you have and the prophetic words that you get, that's reality to you and I. Because we don't live by sight, we live by our faith. And Noah was a man of faith. He found favor in God's eyes in this corrupt, defiled life. It was defiled. It was violent. It was evil. But he found favor there. And you and I can do the same. Genesis chapter 6. The last thing I want to say is that we can be comforted, but we also need to be awakened. And this is what I felt like the Lord wanted me to say today. The main point. Here we go. You can leave now. Or wait. After this. Is that we can't try to be comforting ourselves in this time with, with materialism. We have to lose our life. Number two, we can't be trying to comfort others in this time as our main priority. Oh, I've got to bring comfort to everybody. We've got to stay connected with everybody. That's hard for a lot of us. But the last, the, the most important thing, the most important thing that we need to bring comfort to is the Lord in this season. Are you bringing comfort to Him? He's up in heaven. He needs us to do His work in His bidding here on this planet. He needs us to be His voice in His hands and His feet. Because the Bible says that the Lord was grieved in that season. He needs someone here on earth to do His work. People say God's in control. He's not in control. He's in charge. And He's given us authority to do something on this planet. And if we don't do something, it won't happen. If we don't stand up, it won't take place. So we have to think first and foremost, what is the, what's the left going to think? What are my supporters going to think? What's my congregation going to think? I'm not concerned as much about comforting you as I am about comforting him. Because he made me. He created me. And what if the Lord is up there right now? He's grieved. He's not comforted because we're not doing our part here on planet Earth. See, it says this, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved his heart. And we can comfort the Lord by being obedient to him. We can comfort him by saying, yes, Lord, choose me to be your hands and feet. Choose me to be your voice in this time. Genesis 6, 9 says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. This is the time. This is the season where you and I, we can walk with the Lord. We need to learn how to hear his voice and be obedient to what he is saying to us in this season and put first and foremost, not trying to comfort ourselves with materialism, or trying to comfort others around us by sticking to them and, and being their friends. This is the time where it's most important that we speak what God's telling us to speak. And you're going to be persecuted for it. And it's time, you know, I, I heard this quote in a movie, and I keep saying this, but 
they said in, the, in this movie where they're, uh, it was the Guardians of the Galaxy and they're getting ready to, uh, to attack this. And they all knew, they're like, we're going to die. There's no way we're going to win. But the quote the, the gal said, she goes, I've lived with my enemies all my life, but today I get to die with my friends. You see, friends, this is the time, this is the season where you and I get the opportunity to step up and be who God's called us to be. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make, I'll destroy them with the earth. Make yourselves an ark of gopher wood and make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and out with pitch. And I love what it says is Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him. He did it all. What is God commanding you to do in your life right now? And will you do all of it? This is what he's asking of us. What are you commanding me to do? And when we do, you know, just to close up here, I love, I love that Noah had to do something in his generation. You and I have to do this in our generation. Did you know that the picture of Christ and the picture of the ark, there's, there's so many similarities that we can see. Christ and the ark are something that is built up. You know, when Noah built the ark, God said, I want you to build the ark. And it took him like 120 years. He had to work with his family. I don't know what was, maybe that was why it took 120 years. But, you know, you see, he built something. He built something. And this is what you and I are called to do. The presence of God is built up in our life. Spending time with the Lord, being discipled. Growing, evangelizing, using the gifts that God has given you. You are building something in this generation. We need to do that in this generation. Because I don't want to seek. You know, the ark is, is a picture of the presence of God. Remember, the, it was called Noah's ark. And that's what saved them. But it was also the ark of the covenant that was in the tabernacle that represented his presence. Is the presence of God on your life? Can people feel the presence of God and experience the presence of God on your life? Every one of us is called to that. The Bible says that you are a partaker in the divine nature. That should make you smile, by the way. That's a good day. Wow. So, so Christ in the ark, that's something to be built up. Number two, Christ in the ark are life vessels. Noah built an ark so that people could come onto that vessel and be saved. We can build our lives in a way that people can come to salvation through what we built. That's beautiful. And we have, to, we have to be dedicated to that call and that plan. Number three, they, they had to cover, Noah had to cover the ark with pitch. We, how many know you leak? <laughs> all right. We all leak, all right? That's why we, we need to be covered. That's why we pray for one another. You know, pray for your pastor because he leaks. Okay. He's a leaky pastor. Pray for him. You don't want a pastor to sink, you know. But that's what prayer does. Prayer is a covering. It covers us. And, you know, Noah built the ark, but then he covered it. And you and I need to be covered in our prayers, cover each other with our prayers. Did you know the ark only had one door? You know, and that's the same way with Jesus. He is the door to the Father. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And don't let people deceive you. Well, Buddha had Christ consciousness. And uh, Muhammad, he had 
Christ consciousness. You understand it? It wasn't Christ, but it was Christ consciousness. No, it's not, you know? I mean, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you're not getting into heaven because you had some kind of Christ consciousness. How many have ever heard anybody say that before? I, I can't stand when people say that. You know, remember, I mean, how many, have, how many have loved your password? How many have ever forgotten your password before? You know, you're, you're trying to, you know, get your second fluffy bunny bear of the month, you know, up that to the, to, to the double bunny of the month, and you can't get your password, and they won't let you get another bunny this month because you don't know your password. Do you think you're going to get into heaven if your password's not right? You understand? We can't joke around or think that it's just some kind of Christ consciousness or some belief in God. The Bible said in James that even the demons believe in God and they shudder. Belief in God doesn't get you to heaven. It's acknowledging that Jesus Christ, God's Son, is Lord and is submitting to Him, not just as Savior, but as the Lord of your life, that what He says you do. He's the boss. And he is the one door. God told Noah, which is kind of dumb. Imagine if we built the church with one door. Hello. And the ark was much bigger than this. One door. It's a picture that there's only one way, one door to salvation. And his name is Jesus. Number five, we must invite others in. That's our goal. What, was the, what did Jesus say about the days of Noah? That they were unaware. They were unaware of what was coming. And if we're silent, and if we don't invite them, and if we don't do the work, the only prayer request of Jesus is he prayed for the laborers to go into the harvest, to send them out. And that Greek word, to be sent out, it doesn't mean sent. It's way too nice. It means to be thrust and thrown out. That's what I should do. We're going to get evangelized, and I should get out there. That's, that's literally, it's the same word that talks about casting out demons. You throw the demons out. Well, you got to throw the Christians out, too, to the streets. I didn't write the book, okay? That's what it says. Come on, I mean, it's, how many feel resistance when you want to go evangelize? It's like, oh. How many, how many know Indiana Bob? Indiana Bob was so excited yesterday. He said he goes out evangelizing. He comes here once a month. He was in Shelbysburg. Ten people showed up, went out in the streets. Ten people came to Christ yesterday in Shelbyville. Isn't that awesome? But he said all hell broke out to get there. He had a flat tire. Everyone's heat broke. It was like when stuff goes wrong, don't be like, oh, we can't. This is God. No. Like when stuff's going wrong, I'm like, ooh, good. There's resistance. Something good's about to happen. So we press in more, and we don't give up, and we don't sweat. But let me close with this, is that when, when we stand in Christ and we stand in truth, we're going to be persecuted. It's the nail that sticks out that the hammer comes after, right? Right? Like, don't be shocked. I'm like, yeah, I know it's coming. But can you imagine Noah? I mean, Noah did all that he was commanded. Noah found favor in God's eyes. And Noah's name means to bring comfort but he was bringing comfort to the Lord. That's who he was comforting because he was in obedience, doing what God had called him to do. 
But because he built the ark, it had never rained up to that time. You imagine the laughter and the Facebook posts and the, and the tweets that were going out as Noah's building this ark, this big boat in the middle of the field. They're going, Noah, I think you've lost your mind here, Noah. You think you're hearing voices and you, you think this is really going to happen. That The Lord said it's going to rain? It's never rained before. And so he builds this ark. He gathers his family together. And people are coming and they're watching him build this thing. And don't, be, don't think that he didn't receive persecution for that. But when we have Christ in our lives and we're building Christ in our lives and we're listening to voices and obeying those voices, don't think people aren't going to persecute you and think you're crazy. But we found favor in God's eyes. And when it started to rain, there was eight people that, that were saved in that time. And we know God's promised he's never going to flood the earth again. But you and I must remember that there is a public display of judgment when we stand in Christ. Why? Because when we stand in Christ, we stand, number one, that we say we believe that God exists. We believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And by declaring that, we're declaring that you're under judgment if you don't come to Christ. And that has to be our message that we don't want you to be under judgment. We want you to come into the ark of his presence, come in to this place of safety so that you can be saved. And we will be rejected because of that. But we're not here to comfort those around us, comfort ourselves. We're here to bring the Lord comfort. Amen? Come on, let's stand together as we close. you just to stretch your hands out to the Lord. Just let him speak to you this morning. Lord, what you want is what I want. Come on, just tell that to him this morning. Lord, what you want is what I want. Come on, let him take you to that next level this morning. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do, God. This is an altar underneath your feet. If you want to come forward this morning, draw close. But this morning, it's just an opportunity to let go of what you need to let go of. Any materialism, any pleasing of man, come on. To lay it down before the Lord and to say, God, I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to obey you, that you're my master, you're my Lord. And today, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, let today, let today be your day. Because people need to hear, people need to see. Lord, I just thank you today that everyone within the sound of my voice, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, touch them. Minister to them. Let's sing this out. Here is where. Here is where I lay it down. Every drought and every crown. 
This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every ground. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. I will make, I will make room for you, for you. Come on, tell them this morning, do whatever you want. Whatever you want, I will make, and I will make room for you, for you. Do whatever you want, do whatever you want, Break down the walls, all my religion, your way is better, your way is better. Shake up the ground, all my tradition, break down the walls, all my religion, your way is better, your way is better. Shake up the ground, shake up the ground. taking a moment and putting your hand on the person next to you on their shoulder and just say a radical prayer over them. Pray fresh fire, (laughs) 
fresh faith that the favor of God is on you, that the Lord's eyes are on you. And I, Father, I thank you today that you would fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit, God. We declare every disease in their body. We command it to go in Jesus' name. Every infliction, every demonic thing, go today in the name of Jesus. We thank you for a new boldness and a new fire. Lord, over this Noah generation, God, purify us, heal us, set us free, God. Shake up the ground. Break off every tradition in their life that's not of you, God. We thank you for this new season of freedom, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's shout to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. you guys to stick around. We're going to be sending Ephraim and Ashton off, or however we're saying that. We're sending Ephraim off, and uh, we have some great food, and we hope that you can stick around with us and eat with us and spend some time saying goodbye to Ephraim. And uh, thank you guys so much for being with us today. God bless. Give God another shout of praise. Come on, he's good. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.